Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John May. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by my sister Kay, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the sixth and final season of Bull. This is one of the shows, one of the few shows, I think, these days that is very episodic. Yeah. Every once in a while, like for the finale, it was a two-part or whatever. Generally, it's a, in the episode, you've got the case, you solve the case, you end the episode Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Because of that, this is one of the shows that we tend to actually try to keep current on. Yeah. Because it's easy to do that without having a, okay, where did the plot line go from the beginning of the season to the end and, and whatnot. And I will admit, this was a 22-episode season, 20-episode season. I've lost count. It was 22 episodes. 22 episodes. And I remember what happened at the beginning only because in the last two-parter, they flashed back to the, hey, this happened at the beginning. And the third episode from the end was a clip show, which mm-hmm. also reminded me. Yeah. Otherwise, it's been a good couple of months. I've kind of lost the thread on certain things. Well, it's funny because I had seen an article early on in the season that referred to this as the season of PTSD on Bull. Well, and the first episode sets up what he has PTSD on. Yes. But until you just reminded me of that, it's like I had remembered the traumatic episode at the beginning, but I had actually kind of forgotten, oh yeah, they had some episodes dealing with him having the PTSD and and kind of recovering from it and and adjusting and all of that stuff. And that's even after they kind of had a callback to that in the clip show a few episodes ago. It's just, again, enough time has elapsed, enough other things going on in life that it's it's easy for me to lose some of those threads. Yeah. That having been said, it's a good show. They made a cast change going into the season with the actor who played Benny, the main lawyer for TAC, leaving the show, Chunk, the character played by Christopher Jackson, stepping up to the lead counsel for for Tack. I really think Christopher Jackson's character Chunk, over the course of the six seasons, has had just amazing character growth and arc. I mean, he started out as kind of the image guy. Oh, very, not kind of. He was definitely, this is what you wear, make sure the hair's good and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he was the prep you to be on the stand. Yeah. The, this is how you want to come across. And he was kind of realizing early on, you know, I want to do more than just be the fashion guy. I don't want that for my reputation. He wanted to be more than the image consultant. He wanted to be a, a key player in the, the thing. Yeah. So then they sent, he, he based, not they sent, he went to uh, to law school. Yeah. And we saw that play out with, with him starting it, him having some problems with some professors because they knew about tech and didn't respect it. Him actually eventually getting his law degree, getting to, you know, do some some cases during that whole phase mm-hmm. as as doing the public defender sort of a thing or whatnot. And the growth arc for that character from somebody who, at the beginning, I don't think was even thinking of going to law school to being their key attorney and stuff at the end. Great arc for the character. Well, and at the beginning, yes, he was openly gay in the office but not with his family, to the point that his daughter 
thought he was like an honorary uncle. Yeah. So in his personal life, he had this great evolution of kind of owning himself Mm -hmm. in a whole different way. Well, and they played with some of that, I think, yeah, this season with his mom. Yeah. And his boyfriend that then, you know, comes back at the end and stuff like that, who had been there for a while, went away for a bit, you know. Mm -hmm. So they did quite a bit more out of the courtroom stuff with these characters. Yeah. Because I think every character this season, and it wasn't unique to the season, but definitely the season, had an arc. Jason Bull had the PTSD stuff. Mm-hmm. Chunk had the whole boyfriend and, and relationship stuff throughout, you know. Well, and what I liked on Chunk's with his mom was highlighting that what he had read in his mom when he came out as disappointment hadn't been her being disappointed he was gay. It was her being disappointed with how society was going to treat him. Yeah. He read one thing into her reaction, which was not the the genesis of, of the reaction she had. Yeah. She, yeah. she was suddenly realizing he's openly talking about this and the world is not going to give my son the love I want him to get. Mm-hmm. And that was a weight on her shoulders. And it just, it all played out so beautifully for me. Yeah. Well, again, great arc for him. Mm-hmm. The tech girl, Taylor. Taylor had the arc with Mauricio, mm-hmm. the, the marriage falling apart, the husband going to Hawaii and stuff. The bitter divorce. Yeah. Well, and wasn't well, this and also the season where she got in trouble with the law? Yeah. I mean, technically, they were divorced coming into this. So it They'd was technically- back together. It was yeah. a custody battle. Yes, yes. That's what was bitter. But someone who had been helping her, and she knew, okay, this is a hacker who- does not necessarily stay within the lines, but never does anything bad when I'm with her. Mm-hmm. And suddenly her ex has the FBI coming after her for knowing this hacker. Well, and it's worth pointing out that the actress who played the hacker is playing the pilot on Star Trek Strange New Worlds this season. Yes. So, kind of funny. But yeah, great arc for, for that character. Marissa had a large arc of her leaving Tack for a little bit, coming back, and really kind of coming into her own in terms of she's been behind the whole algorithm that powers the Tack tech system, mm-hmm. and kind of leveraging that and and I don't say owning that, but but being comfortable getting the credit for it. Well, it was fascinating to me that she went from being Bull's right hand that he couldn't live without to being Bull's. 50-50 partner. Yes. And kind of the exploration of what is the difference between those two positions and titles. Well, and part of that arc was Bull coming to the realization that she is a lot more valuable to tack and stuff than he'd ever really given her credit for. He mm-hmm. knew he needed her, but he also knew he hadn't given her her due. Well, and she was discovering that as much as Bull paints outside the lines, and is very creative. Like in one episode, it's the, I just ordered 20 pizzas to have yes. them walk back and forth by the jury room. You know. Well, to leave them outside yes. the jury room. We can't give them to them, but they're there for the taking. Yes. You know, so he, he does everything he can within the restrictions of the rules. But then she goes and partners with someone else who is, she believes, going to appreciate her more. And he won't stay after hours to do the digging with her through the boxes. 
And when he discovers that Bull actually sent over in Discovery a piece of paperwork that he says, to be honest, I'd have buried that in terms of not even had it in the boxes. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, so there's paints outside the lines, and then there's- Well, there's take liberties and there's do wrong. Yes. Because even when Jason Bull was- doing his antics and stretching the interpretation of a few things. He was always doing it after the spirit of justice mm-hmm. and the right thing. And yeah, being creative about it, but not just blatantly, yep, I'm not going to do this. I don't have to, or, or disregarding the rules. Well, he saw them as a challenge, not a prevention. Going back to Chunk's relationship, the ADA that he had gotten involved with They'd had a confrontation of, wait, if you had realized the person was innocent, why didn't you drop the charges? Well, by then I figured the jury was going to come back in their favor, so what did it matter? Yeah, yeah. But by the end of the season, when the ADA has the mistrial and there's the, okay, are you going to refile charges or not? And he's looking to Chunk and Bull Trying to figure out, okay, why'd they just do what they did? Yeah, Bull did something uncharacteristic and for 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 clear intent. Yes. So it's not just, am I going to refile, but I will refile them and take this guy into custody. Yes. In other words, there's more here than I know what's going on. I'm going to find that out. Yes. Well, and based on what Bull did and kind of how it played on the guilty or not guilty end of the spectrum... It was kind of a, okay, if they're leaning this way, and I trust their judgment. Yes. Then, yeah. Well, not just trust your judgment. You know they play by the rules and are not trying to circumvent justice. For them, sometimes they may need to help it along a little. For them, it's not about when, when, when. It's about the guilty person being found guilty, the innocent people being found innocent. Well, going after the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did some really good job with all of those sorts of issues this season. I mean, Danny, uh, the private investigator, had an arc. It was a little less than some of the other characters, but she got a boyfriend at one point, kind of, sort of. That kind of played out a little more off-screen than Mm -hmm. on. We saw one where she almost dies and has kind of an epiphany of, what am I doing with my life and such. But there was a lot of, of her kind of, again, finding her way and finding herself this season. Yeah. So... I really don't think they gave the short end of the script to anyone. And there are a couple of of episodes where it's like, you know, okay, this is very bull-heavy, or it's a little light on this character, but those people always got something in other episodes. The short end of the script went to Benny's departure. Well, he was gone, and the funny thing is not only did we only get a line or two at the beginning of, yep, he's gone off, found somebody, gotten married, and moved. To Italy. Poof, gone. But then when they do the clip show, and they're explaining kind of the voir dire process. It's like they're using clips from as far back as the pilot episode of lawyers asking questions for intent. And Benny, who'd been the lawyer in like the majority of the episodes, not seen ever in yeah. that episode. Yeah. And I get the, the reason for the actor's departure and stuff kind of made that a likely situation to happen. In terms of, yep, we're not using him anymore and we're not going to really reference him much. But it was a little, little disappointing. I think they could have handled it better. At least he didn't run a car and get killed. He didn't even really get mentioned in dialogue by his sister, though. 
No, not at all. And she was a, a big player in a number of episodes. She took over his office at one point. Yes, yes. I mean, she doesn't even work at TAC, and she took over an office in the TAC offices. Yeah. It's funny, because I've never gotten a clear sense of how big their offices are, because there was Benny's office, Bull's office, kind of the bullpen area where Danny and Taylor work, or Cable before Taylor. You've got the downstairs mock courtroom. Mm-hmm. There was a computer room, server room kind of a thing that Marissa often worked in. Mm -hmm. Conference room and Chunk's office. And break room, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and Chunk's, he had it early on. I thought it got repurposed to something else later. I think Chunk gave up the bigger office he had as the stylist to become Benny's office, and then Chunk got a smaller office when he became a lawyer. I'm just trying to think what happened to the original thing that he was in when he was doing the image consultant stuff. I think that became Benny's office. Okay, that must have been. And then later Izzy's office, and then yeah, finally yeah. Marissa's office. It just seems like there was hallways and other people floating in the background that virtually never really, those people never got seen or used, except here near in the, the two-part finale, where two people are having a private conversation and a random office worker we've never seen before is coming into the break room. And had a line of dialogue. Excuse me. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, did he actually say anything or just reach for what he was going for and get out? Yeah, yeah. He, he made some kind of apology along the lines of, excuse me, reached for what he wanted, and then went out with just kind of a, why'd I stop the conversation look on his face? Yeah. But, and in that two-parter, that was great use of Taylor's creative, and with Marissa's help, problem solving yeah yeah how can they get people in the right place to find the right thing without telling them to go find it mm -hmm. well and that brings the, again the whole breaking the rule circumventing the rule playing with the rule kind of a thing because one of the other things they did this season is uh, bull got in some legal trouble and i think it was the lawyer who was going after him at that point that came back later and yes. had to work with him and they almost broke that other lawyer to where now he's Breaking rules left, right, and center, kind of a... Yeah. Well, and that was one of the comments he had made of kind of a, you can't break a single rule, because once you break a rule... Yep. Once you're a rule breaker, rules don't matter anymore. Yeah. And it's... There is that sliding, you know, slippery slope sort of a deal, but I like how they've brought a couple... Of, in that character in particular, I like how they bring them back, mm -hmm. use them in a different way... And again, Chunk's boyfriend, they're going up against each other at one point. They're seeing, you know, facing off again early on. I mean, that relationship just in the courtroom of those two evolved over time. Yeah. You know, bringing in the guy who'd gone after Bull and is now asking for Bull's help on stuff. And it, the, the previous episode had left off in a way where that was definitely a possibility, not a likely one, but they came up with a viable way to do it and it worked. Mm -hmm. And just, I mean, legal dramas, I think, can be a lot of fun, hearing the arguments they use, seeing, you know, what's going on. Because some do a little more on the investigative side. Some are just, can you do a compelling argument? Can you outthink the other side? Whatever. And I think this show took a different approach to it with the whole focusing a little more initially on the voir dire and stuff. But I think you look at this last episode versus that first episode, and Certainly with a, a pilot episode or even the first season, shows are going to evolve out of that. Mm -hmm. But they were doing a lot with the, here's the, the mirror jury, here's the real jury, here's how we're monitoring them and going on to that. 
And then it's just kind of taken as a given at the end. And in, the, in some cases, they'd even figured out how to do it without either a jury or without Bull seeing the jury or without Bull being involved or, you know, a few other things just to throw that monkey wrench in the works. Yeah. Well, early on, they did a lot on the, here's what we know about the jurors and here's the questions we ask and why we ask them. Mm -hmm. And then when we got into the pandemic and you could have fewer cast members on set and stuff like that, we got fewer jurors and we got a lot fewer questions being asked of jurors. Mm -hmm. But what they did was kind of shift the focus to, okay, once we've got that jury picked, it's not just having jurors who are predisposed towards wanting to acquit our client or vote in favor of our client, if you will. It's we have to argue in a way that they understand and appeals to them. We picked a jury with this overall mindset. We started with a story that was tailored to that. Situation has changed. Now we've got to go for something and find a way to make it palatable to that, that mindset. Yeah. And they were able to do a lot of that with the you know, conversations between, you know, Bull and Chunk or whomever of, well, what am I looking for? What do I need to ask? And a little less in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think just about vanished, not entirely, but a lot this season, we had a lot of in-the-car scenes in previous seasons. Yes, we did. A lot of that would be when we'd have Bull and Benny, I'm not comfortable with this. What are we doing with this? You know, what's going on? And, And that back and forth. Yeah. And we got we certainly got some of those scenes either at the office or out you know on the streets or something like that but the driver for bull much much easier season for him or much harder because he wasn't working one of the two i mean mostly we only ever saw his shoulder i'm not even sure we saw that much most of the time you know i i mean i kept waiting for one of these episodes for them to pull back far enough we actually saw the person not just the shoulder and either he joins in the conversation with a, well, if I've learned anything from driving you all these years, or as Bull's about to get out with him saying, I hate to bother you, but. Well, I think what would have been a hilarious use for the driver would be to either end an episode with this random guy coming into the office of, sir, I need your help. Who are you? Mm. I've been your driver for five years. Yes, yes. Or. Do an episode from the driver's point of view and him kind of piecing together what must be going on with the case or, or whatever. That would have been priceless. Or have this guy be getting interviewed by the Danny equivalent of some other firm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many ways you could have used the driver and the reveal that, it, oh, that's, that's Bull's driver for the last X years or whatever. Yeah. Could have been, could have been funny. Well, I mean, they did a lot of creative things, like the episode where a couple was having an affair and the wife turned up dead. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the the mistress that was accused was the lawyer from Texas Yeah, that we yeah. had in several episodes. And then, you know, we get towards the end and they're like, well, what if she stabbed herself to try and get the husband to come to her rescue and save their marriage. Mm -hmm. And as they start investigating it from that kind of warped perspective of, is anyone crazy enough to do X, Y, Z? Yeah. 
because she's been crazy enough to frame the kid's coach for selling drugs and stuff. And someone was going on, I was like, wow, okay, I wouldn't have come up with this. Yeah, there are a couple of times they come at some stuff or, or go after some things later in the episode from some very different angles. But some of that is legal courtroom dramas like this have been going on for decades. Mm-hmm. You know, every, as far back as Perry Mason and, and beyond, the Defenders and stuff that William Shatner was in early in his career and such. I mean, the, this has been a staple of, of TV forever. Mm-hmm. So finding new approaches to it gets harder and harder every time. Finding a new courtroom case or angle on it that hasn't been done to death yeah. is harder and harder. But this one kept it fresh, kept it interesting, and kept it believable. There were I don't know that there were any times during the season where I'm like, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. Or y- you missed the obvious, why didn't you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they generally play fair. And I'm not going to say it's a perfect show or anything. There's definitely, you know, as with any show, stuff I'm sure they could do to improve it or whatever. Yeah, but I loved the season finale, the series finale. It ended on a definite, this is the end of this. Mm -hmm. You know, they could do another season after this, but it would not have been the same show. You know, if, I know you didn't watch it, but there was the show uh, Closer. Mm-hmm. And then when Kira Sedgwick left the show, it became Major Crimes. Yeah. And it was like, it was kind of a spinoff, but it was more that it was a continuation, but not all of the cast moved on. If they wanted to, they could take uh, Marissa and Shunk. Mm-hmm. And Danny. They didn't even ha- don't even have to keep Danny. They, True. Danny has an out. In yeah, other words, she does. But those two, they could basically say, we're renaming TAC, we're doing this, maybe even relocating it to smaller offices or, you know, change up the, the, the look of the place. They don't even have to rename TAC, but they could simply rename the show TAC. Yes. Yes. They could keep this going if they really wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't think they, they need to. I'm not even going to suggest they should. But But I thought that was a very interesting way to write the finale. Yes, I did too. Such that it could be the end, but it left that door open. And really, with the two characters that had had the best arcs for the season Mm -hmm. in terms of empowering them and really setting them up of, yes, they could move forward this way. Well, and they'd done an episode in the later half of the season of, can we make this work without Bull? Yeah. You know, and they're like, yeah, we we could. Mm Mm-hmm. So ending it on the note they did with with a very clear departure for Bull and one that was very in character, if a little spontaneous, you know, it made sense. It was it was foreshadowed without being telegraphed. Yeah. Because if you when you end a show, when you start a show and when you end a show, certain things tend to happen. When you start a show, it's not uncommon to have somebody new join the team, the firm, or you know whatever mm-hmm. come into the story. So you can use them as a, let me introduce you to this, that, and the other. Yeah, the audience comes in with them. Exactly. And then there are times where a key person leaves. It's a changing of the guard of some sort, like clearly happened here. This is a good place to kind of exit the story. Mm-hmm. And again, I thought it was satisfying. I thought it was a good season. I was a little surprised we got a clip show, but I liked the framing sequence of the clip show. Mm-hmm. It worked. It played into, again, what had happened at the beginning of the season, a few other things like that. 
So I, I enjoyed that more than they had any right for me to enjoy it. Yes. They did it really well. And they did some really great stuff, mostly there, but elsewhere in the season, of it's so hard to balance work and home life. Yeah. And what really kind of sparked the clip show and the the personal crisis Jason Bull was having in that moment was that this huge infusion of cash came to the company and it's kind of a tack could go huge. Yep. And how much time and energy and effort would that take from him and take away from his family? And that was the direction they were definitely heading in after that. Let's expand. Let's go big. Let's, you know, Mm -hmm. do all these things. And again, they could, if they wanted to spin this into another show, another, you know, another season or whatever, go in that direction with a couple of characters, bring in some some new people for some roles and and go that way. Mm -hmm. So the nice thing is there's nothing that that makes me feel, oh, they must do this. They ended cleanly without a finale, the end. This is all they ever wrote for these characters. There's more you can imagine happening, but not more that you, you need to have happen to resolve things. And ending on a nice clean note that way doesn't happen often enough. No. It, to me, it was remarkable how well they ended. Yeah. And again, the arcs they had over the season for something that is so blatantly episodic of a show. Mm-hmm. You know, they're able to balance the you can watch an episode, understand the plot, the characters, get what's going on and stuff like that. Yet, if you watch more than one, you've got this bigger tapestry they're building. They've got some subplots. They've got some some side characters that come in for the relationship arcs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense in, in the individual episodes, in that, in that greater total, which is kind of how comics used to be written, but now aren't. And mm-hmm. most TV shows are written for the arc and stuff like that. Yeah. So for me, it's refreshing to have something that is a lot more episodic, a lot more self-fulfilling without being self-contained episodes. Mm-hmm. Because if we were always starting with a blank slate every time we came in, or the episodes were literally interchangeable for the order, that would kind of bother me. Yeah. But I think they hit a nice happy medium on that. Yeah, I agree. So I think they did a, a good job with this. I'll be sorry to see the show go, but six seasons, I wasn't too surprised it was ending at this point. No. Anything else? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.